Welcome to the Highwood Health Show. I am your host, Dr. E, the stem cell guy. Joining me for this episode is Blake Bauer. Blake is the author of the international best-selling book, You Were Not Born to Suffer. Each year, he helps thousands of people who cannot find effective support from conventional psychology, medicine, or religion. He's a world-renowned teacher and speaker with an extensive background in psychology, alternative medicine, nutrition, traditional healing, mindfulness, meditation, and qigong. Stick around to learn not only about the importance of self-love, but more importantly, how to go about doing it. This knowledge is based on Blake's personal experiences overcoming deep suffering, addiction, and adversity, as well as his professional success with over 100,000 people worldwide. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome to our show. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. New episodes come out every Wednesday. And for everyone else, welcome back. Before we go on to today's interview, let me remind you that this show is sponsored and produced by another one of my companies, PodcastInABox.co. I came up with the idea for Podcast in a Box after I realized I had been meaning to start a podcast for two years already and just kept putting it off. I had already spent a couple thousand dollars in courses and I was in forums and had read two books about it and basically had been, quote unquote, learning how to do it while not actually doing it. If that sounds at all familiar to you and you're tired of seeing so many new podcasts come up and yours is still just an idea, then Podcast in a Box might be exactly what you need. Our team at Podcast in a Box can handle anything and everything that has to do with planning, launching, editing, publishing, and marketing your podcast. We can do as much or as little as you need us to do to finally get your podcast going and getting you the attention of your ideal audience. To find out more and see if your idea is worthy of a podcast, just head on over to podcastinbox.co and click on the appropriate button. When prompted, make sure to mention Dr. E's Highway Health Show and the How Did You Hear About Us section. But now, let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Blake Bauer. And remember, you are on the Highway to Health, and I'm your guide to get you there. Are you ready to live ageless? Want to discover alternative health choices, cutting-edge nutrition, and fitness for the entire family? Welcome to Highway to Health Show with your host, Dr. E, the stem cell guy, where Dr. E helps you live ageless. And now, here's your host, Dr. E. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Highway to Health Show. Today, I am joined by Blake Bauer. Blake, how are you today? I'm really well. Thank you, Dr. E. How, how are you today? Oh, I can't complain. We're having a phenomenal start of the summer over here. A little bit hotter than I expected, but it's all going good, man. How about you? Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I'm in Los Angeles. It's beautiful today. I was just in Chicago and Colorado, which were also lovely. But, you know, we're still managing the lockdown and the pandemic. And obviously the cases have been rising here in Los Angeles. And so things started to open up. And then I think as of yesterday, in restaurant dining closed back down in Los Angeles County, I know. And I don't know about the rest of California. Wow. Closed down again? Yeah. In restaurant dining. Okay. Yeah. Something that they've been doing here. And when this whole thing started here in Spain, you're probably familiar with this, how every restaurant almost here has dining outside, like right on the sidewalk, right? So they wouldn't let people dine inside the restaurants and it was just dining outside. So that's how most of the restaurants uh, managed to survive, especially now in the summer, it's just what everyone prefers. But I guess the U.S. isn't as, as equipped to do that all across, right? Yeah, some places are, but a lot of them have limited seating, you know, 
All right. Well, hopefully this will start, you know, this will be just kind of like a minor blip. I've also been talking to a couple of my friends over in, in Texas specifically, so some physicians practicing over there, and it's it's not looking good. And I think a big part of it is that we're just too stubborn and we just want to get away with our <laughs> in our ways, and it's just so sad. I'm happy about that. We were talking before we started recording how has it been being over here in Spain. And I'm happy that the government here took such a drastic measures and it was like the entire country and all locked down and no questions asked. And of course, people were complaining and of course, businesses were affected and of course, the economy was affected. But it was a tough 12 weeks because I'm not even kidding. It was 12 weeks of near entire full lockdown. But now it's almost normal. You know, you go out to public spaces, you wear a mask, but anywhere else you're fine and people are going out and parks have reopened and, uh, and it's just kind of like, okay, we're back to almost to normal. So, so that's a good thing. That's beautiful. Well, I'm glad you guys are safe and well. And I know you mentioned you're about to have a baby. And so I'm so happy for you and thank God, you know, you guys were safe during this time. Yeah, for sure. Especially with a pregnant wife and with a two and a half toddler that we already have. It was tough, mostly for them, because I was the one going out for groceries and for you know the pharmacy and to run errands. And for the two of them, they were indoors in a Spanish apartment, which isn't too big, uh, for ten weeks. So that was tough for them. But yeah, we're grateful. It all worked out very well, and uh, we're of course to have a healthy second baby boy next uh, in a couple of weeks, hopefully sooner rather than later. I'm sure my wife prefers. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Well, congratulations again. Yeah, thank you for that. So in any case, why don't you share with us a little bit more about your own journey? As I was talking with you at the beginning and before we started recording, one of the things that we've noticed and that my audience has been very vocal about is that they really like how we're taking a more holistic approach and how we're really understanding that being healthy and being happy and being fulfilled uh, goes beyond just being physically healthy. And there are so many other ways. And that's why I was very excited to to be able to have you come on the show and and talk to us about this area of expertise of yours. But before we get into that, why don't you just take a moment and share with us a little bit about your own journey and how you got to do what you're currently doing? Well, thank you. That's obviously a loaded question. (laughs) For me, it, it really started back as a teenager. I got heavily into drugs and alcohol in my early or mid-teens, just trying to survive socially and fit in. And it was just my social circle was a, it was a part of our, became a part of our lifestyle. I didn't know it at the time, but I also struggled psychologically and emotionally, but I wasn't aware of it. And so I used alcohol and I used different kinds of drugs to suppress my feelings and to feel better and have fun and reach what I call higher states of consciousness. But by the time I was 18, I had been arrested a number of times for driving under the influence of alcohol, for possession of marijuana and different substances. And I also played sports as a young man, and I grew to be a top uh, American football player and was captain of the varsity football team with my two best friends and We all had offers to play in university or college. And so there was a point where I got a very bad DUI one night on uh, alcohol, pills, and pot. And then eventually I got kicked off the football team and I lost all of my offers to play in university. 
And so that's what set in motion my downhill spiral and what became my death of self, we call in the spiritual world, my first major death and rebirth. And during that time, I also had a girlfriend who I loved and cared about very much, but I was so ashamed of myself and I didn't feel good about myself that I pushed her away. And so I hurt her and in doing so, I hurt myself because it wasn't that I didn't care about her. It was just that I was in such a horrible place. So at the age of 18, I reached a bottom where I was suicidally depressed and very tortured psychologically and emotionally. And I had basically ruined everything that I cared about and everything that I identified with. So it was my ego. It was my identity. It's who I believed I was. And in a very short period of time, around the age of 18, I sabotaged and ruined it all. And then I was left having no idea who I was, having no idea how to feel better for, with the pain that I was feeling. I also felt that pressure that we all feel at some point to figure out what to do with my life. You know, what am I supposed to study? How am I supposed to make a living? Is money the main priority in life? And so I was uh, burdened by this question, you know, what's the purpose of my life and, and what am I going to do with my life? So at the age of 18, I'm waking up every morning tortured mentally and emotionally with anxiety, confusion, feeling horrible about myself, insecure, lost. As a man, I didn't know how to talk about my feelings. I didn't know who to open up to. I didn't know how to open up. There's nobody in my life at that point that I really respected or felt safe with to try and ask for help or advice. And then every morning was plagued by what am I doing with my life? You know, all my friends were going on to university or going to work and they seemed to be a little bit more together, whereas I felt like very lost. And so that was really the beginning of my journey. And so I, I moved forward from that point, just trying to answer those two questions. How do I heal myself or free myself from this suffering on all levels of my being, which is how do I find happiness and health and peace and self-respect? And then what's the purpose of my life? So that journey led me to five different universities where I studied uh, psychology, nutrition, herbal medicine, and then I went to school for traditional Chinese medicine, so acupuncture and oriental herbal medicine. And then I went to another school for Chinese medicine that was five-element Chinese medicine, which was less focused on the scientific side of Chinese medicine and more focused on the nature-based, holistic perspectives that were the origin of Chinese medicine. And then through that journey, I also delved very deeply into practices like meditation and yoga, and I learned Qigong which is similar to Tai Chi and the, actually the origin and root of Tai Chi and all of Chinese medicine. So I went very deep into my inner spiritual world during the same time I was studying. And I was basically reading every book I could find on health, on God, on religion, on spirituality, on you know, creating a great life, just trying to understand myself, my place in the world, my place in the universe, and why I came to the planet. Eventually, I came to some realizations where I could see that the unhealthy relationship that most of us have with ourselves mentally and emotionally really causes all forms of suffering and disease. 
And then I distilled it down to the concept of us never learning how to love and value ourselves as children, never learning how to express our emotions in a healthy way, take care of our thoughts in a healthy way. And from all my training, I could see how that led to all forms of disease and all forms of mental and emotional imbalance and suffering. And so I ended up writing a book on this topic, and that is now an international bestseller in 10 languages. And I've had the honor of working with over 100,000 people you know, in a very deep and intimate way. So that's the abridged version. This has been my journey of my whole adult life thus far. But it all started with my own pain, suffering, addiction, and then coming from the dark bottom and then you know, working my way up. That's very interesting what you discovered from this journey. And I'm sure you discovered a ton of things, but just from what you've mentioned right now, the fact that you realized that you had never learned how to express your emotions, because emotions are stuff that we feel. There's no way to suppress that when people are like, oh, we were suppressing our emotions. No, there's no way to suppress it. You're feeling it. What we're doing is we're not talking about them. We're literally trying to trap them in a bottle and the pressure just builds there. Why do you think that this is such a common thing nowadays with people growing up? Because I'm, I'm sure you realize and from working with other people that you're far from alone in doing this. Why do you think it happens so much and, and so often nowadays? Well, I think there's a couple primary factors. One is that our parents never really learn these skills, a lot of people's parents, and so they don't know how to teach their children how to do it in a healthy way. And then it's typically also not taught in school or your religious institution if you have a religious upbringing. So I like to come from the perspective of not blaming anything, but really trying to understand the deep cause and effect relationship. And I think that's the most important one is that our parents were once children who also had parents that didn't know how to do this and they didn't teach them. And so our parents couldn't teach us. And then when they're busy trying to put food on the table and get to work and keep a household and keep a marriage going and just keep the house from falling apart, sometimes there's not a lot of time and space for those that inner world for those emotions, for everybody's inner world to be honored. So it's very easy to get overlooked. So first, I think it's a lack of awareness, a lack of understanding. So then with that comes a lack of the skill set of how to do it, which means you know how to know what you're feeling, then how to express it, and then how to express it effectively because there's very destructive unconscious self-expression, and then there's very healthy, nonviolent, aware self-expression. So there's a lot of learning that comes with talking about your inner world in a very healthy, effective way where you take accountability instead of always dumping and blaming, which a lot of us tend to do, which then causes further problems. So I think those are the two of the primary reasons is that you know we didn't learn as children with our parents and educational institutions because they didn't know. And then the skill set is not often so clearly outlined or encouraged to be valuable in our world, especially in the fast-paced world that we live in right now where you know, a lot of us you know, are online a lot and distracted with social media a lot, and we have to stay busy all the time just to pay our bills. It's really easy to overlook what's really going on in our mind, what's really going on emotionally. And then um, 
Then there's a whole other subset of fears that come up. We are afraid of being judged. We're afraid of losing love. We're afraid of people's negative responses. And that's another cause in childhood that if we ever experience negative responses or reactions from an adult, when we are honest about what's going on inside of us, then we develop a belief and a habit where we think we have to keep in what we're really feeling and thinking just to survive, to please everybody around us. And most of us do that most of our lives without even knowing it. And then a lot of us do that most of our lives and we know it, but we're just trapped in that habit of survival, which is basically starts with, I have to please mom and dad to survive. Then I have to please my teachers and my friends to survive. Then I have to please a boss to survive. Then I have to please a man or a woman to survive. And we get stuck in this habit of rejecting our true self, betraying ourselves, compromising ourselves, hurting ourselves just to keep the peace. And then everybody calls this normal because most people are doing it. And just like you very well said, that only leads us to this internal continuous suffering because we do know we have that feeling deep down that we are not being true to ourselves, that we are doing things simply because it is what our peers are doing. Just, I mean, you described it very well, you know, what our peers are doing in school or what our friends are doing here or what our parents, what our family, what our things. And then you realize this is why so often people suddenly they, you know, they, they get to a certain age and they live by themselves or maybe even adults. I've seen it just now with my parents. My parents divorced when, you know, my dad was 60 and my mom was 58. And after my brothers and I had moved out and it feels like they realized that they had been living this life just to please the other person or just to avoid trouble with their kids in a way with their families. And they weren't really true to themselves. And that was the problem in and of itself is that throughout 30 years of marriage, they simply were not true to themselves first. Yeah. And it's, you know, they just didn't know better. Right. You know, because. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 So it's not about finding the blame because I think that we're also very used to doing that. Like, oh, it's because this, it's because your mom this, it's because it's just, you know, if you don't know, you don't know, right? And you don't know what you don't know. But I think that's why the work that people like you are doing and putting this information out there and taking away that shroud along emotion or over our emotions and really studying it. And, and, and that's the part that makes us human it's very important to not only recognize it, but, but celebrate it in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that takes some time to accept and get our heads around is that part of being here on the planet, being alive, is this our senses of feeling and of emotion. And there's a direct correlation between how much of your sadness you feel and how much happiness you can feel. So if you don't allow yourself to feel your pain and your confusion and your sadness and your anger, that's going to limit how much joy and peace you can experience. It's kind of like you can only grow as high as your roots run deep. So your roots have to run deep into the darkness, all the things that are uncomfortable. And when you are able to accept that and make peace with that, then you open up access to immense joy and love and happiness, but not if you deny the darkness. You have to be able to accept the uncomfortable emotions as well. 
That's very interesting that you've realized that. And I'm sure that many of us have in a way or another experienced that. And suddenly we say like, okay, you know, we're going through a rough time. And, and when we finally face it head on and say like, okay, just bring it, how bad can it get? And you realize that it's probably not that bad. And by addressing it and by recognizing it, then you can also see the other side of the coin. If you're just, like I said, if you're just hiding it, then you don't see the other side of the coin either. You don't see how far you can move away from it. And I tend to imagine it as a pendulum. And if you want to go to the one side to feel joy and to feel happiness and to feel fulfillment, then that also has to swing all the way back, right? And that's what's going to get you to that point. If you're constantly numbing your feelings, your negative feelings, because you tend to think you have a lot of them, then you're also numbing the possibility of, of positive feelings, positive emotions, and basically just enjoying our time here in this in this planet, right? Absolutely. And I think what came to mind as you were talking is that, especially with what's going on right now, with what we've gone through with the pandemic, you know, there is so much distraction in the world and we were all going so fast and, and caught up in so much distraction. And then we all kind of hit this wall where it was just a big stop sign, a big roadblock, stopping us basically from running from ourselves and from the things we've been running from. So I think the first couple months of the pandemic and lockdown, people were forced to face a lot of these uncomfortable emotions that were inside of them already, and they weren't aware of it. And they may have blamed it on the pandemic or different things that were going on or blamed it on their family members that they were stuck at home with. But in reality, those emotions were actually inside of them already, and they just finally had an opportunity to come out and then I know a lot of people that have found a silver lining now because of all that, because they've addressed issues in their relationships, or they are ad addressing issues in their relationships, or they're addressing issues in their career that they weren't happy with, or they're getting things done that they've been avoiding. And I know a lot of people that at first thought this was the worst thing ever, and then their perception of it and experience of it changed, and it's become a, a major blessing in a lot of ways. And I think it's because of this same dynamic we've been, you know, just talking about. Yeah, more than once throughout these months, I've had that conversation. And I think that there are a lot of silver linings that people are, have been finding. And, and one of the things going back to what you were saying at the very beginning of this conversation, of this part of it, talking about COVID, I think that part of the reason why we're suddenly seeing all these different manifestations, whether it is on the economic fronts, on the health fronts, obviously. I mean, there, there's a big, big, big problem with our health, and that's why a virus can bring us to our knees. But then we're also seeing all these issues with racial inequality. We're seeing all these issues against the LGBT population. We're seeing all these things. And, and it happens because you're right. We were suddenly, the entire world, we're suddenly forced to face our deepest, saddest fears, not being able to or being prevented from going to the places and to the activities that we normally use to escape those things. Now we can no longer go to the office. We can no longer hang out in happy hour with our buddies and just drink to forget or go out for, for a meal. And now we're stuck at home by ourselves and forces us to really look at these things. And I think that a lot of people have found that time to be able to reflect, to be able to see where their life is heading but also has served a lot of people to realize how they're not happy and how they've been putting up with a lot of things that they shouldn't be putting up 
And that's, I think, why we're seeing so many of these social issues also start rising up to the surface. And it's been a catalyst. And I'm happy about some of them. I think it is about time that we start recognizing some of these social injustices and some of these injustices in general that people are, are, are suffering through and, and, and do our best to start to stop them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And you know, what popped into my head as you were talking was my framework, the lens that I find one of the most effective lenses or, or viewpoints that I, I find to look at the, the world and our experience of life through is that everything is a reflection of our relationship to ourself. So for example, if I judge you, right, it has nothing to do with you. It comes from a place in me where I'm insecure or scared. So I have to put you down or put you in a box to make me feel better or make me feel secure. So really, I'm only judging you because I judge myself. And so I'm projecting that onto you. And so I believe that our relationship to other people is a projection of our relationship to ourselves. Like if we're loving and kind with ourselves, then we're going to be loving and kind with other people. And I believe our relationship to nature and to the planet is the same. So if we're loving and kind to ourselves, we're going to be loving and kind to other people. And we're going to be loving and kind to the earth because we know we eventually awaken to the fact that there's no separation between ourselves and the planet that gives us oxygen, gives us food, gives us shelter, that gives us this miracle of being alive. And as that awareness grows and that it's unity, oneness, consciousness grows, we realize that there's no separation between us and another human being either, regardless of color, background, sexual orientation. And so again, if you are loving and accepting of all parts of yourself and kind of all parts of yourself and honoring of all parts of yourself, you can't help but understand and accept and honor all these parts of other people as well that are hurt or angry or have experienced immense injustice for so many years. So again, for me, everything comes back to that relationship to ourself and is a projection of and a mirror of our relationship to ourself. That's very interesting. And when you mentioned about being kind to ourselves, and I've shared this before here, and it's something that a lot of people have said as well before, right? That if somebody could hear how I talk to myself, they would be shocked. And whenever I share that, or I've mentioned that, a lot of people agree with it. And they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm so, I mean, I need to treat myself more kindly. I need to treat myself better a lot of the times. Why do you think we are so unkind with ourselves? I think it goes back exactly to the question we talked about, why did we never learn how to love ourselves with our families? So I think, again, our parents didn't know. They couldn't teach us. It's not taught in schools. I personally believe that this is the deepest, darkest parasite that really exists on the planet, is this lack of awareness and this habit of self-harm that's passed down genetically and habitually from generation to generation. Because I think that this, for me, this lesson represents the evolution of human consciousness and the evolution of humanity on a physical and biological level. Because to survive and thrive, you need to know how to take care of yourself more effectively than the times before. You need to be able to adapt. Your immune system needs to be able to adapt. You need to be able to communicate. You need to be able to move freely. 
So I think it comes back to our parents never learned this, so they couldn't teach us. And then the habits we discussed that we developed to survive, to keep the peace, to people please, to not have negative reactions come our way, then lead us to be horrible to ourselves because we're betraying ourselves, we're rejecting what we really feel, we're living in fear, which comes with a lot of shame because we feel like we're living a lie. And then when you, when you have shame, you, know, you don't respect yourself. When you let your fear stop you from being true to yourself, you don't respect yourself. So what do you do? Then you beat yourself up all the time and you criticize yourself all the time because you know deep down you're not being true to yourself. But then the irony is, is you're trying to please everybody and you can never please everybody because you can never make anybody else happy. So you're taking their criticism, right? Because they're always going to look for something that you're doing wrong. And then you're criticizing yourself because you haven't realized yet that you need to just enjoy your life and make the most of it, regardless of what anybody else thinks or says. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And it is also a vicious cycle because the more you try to please someone, the more you neglect yourself. And when you realize that you're not pleasing that person, then you also start feeling bad because you realize that all of this time that I've been neglecting myself to please this person and I haven't even been doing that well. So, how, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm totally lost, right? So it's, it's a really bad situation to put ourselves into. And looking back, do you think that based on your current years of experience and being able to look at yourself at 18, now knowing what you know these years later and with this experience, what do you think was that, and again, not to point fingers, but what do you think was the one thing, if there was one thing, or what was the catalyst for you going into that downward spiral? Well, like I alluded to in the beginning, I think my drug and alcohol abuse, just just constantly numbing out my feelings. And I used marijuana, I used alcohol, and I used all kinds of pharmaceutical pills. And then I also used food. You know, I would always overeat and use food to numb out as well. So I had these habits of keeping in my feelings, numbing out, running from it. And then I was so destructive for everything around me because inside I was so self-destructive. And then that's what led to me hitting my rock bottom was, you know, sabotaging everything I grew to care about and everything that I took refuge in and that I identified with. And that actually made me feel good about myself, being a great athlete, my girlfriend, my friends. But then I really destroyed it all because I was living a lie and I didn't even know I was living a lie. So that was really the beginning of everything for me. And it all started at that end of high school, end of year 12, around the age of 18. And the reason I ask is because, as I shared with you earlier, a lot of our listeners are parents. And when you're 18, you think that you're an adult and that you're, you know, you're, you're good to go, right? A couple of years later, you realize that, no, you weren't even remotely close. And so parents who have kids right now who are you know, entering high school and there might be you know, in their late teens, they might worry because they see these things and maybe they're listening to this and they're like, you know what? I would love to be able to do everything in my power to, number one, prevent my son, my daughter from having to go through something like this because it is very challenging. It's a challenging time emotionally. We are, we're learning about our bodies. We're learning about our emotions. We're learning about our place in society. We're learning about, you know, 
where we really want to go in our lives. So it can be mentally overwhelming. We don't yet have all the tools that we need to deal with these things, right? So parents might be worried about how they can help their kids, but I'm sure they're also thinking, what would be the, the alarm signs? What would be the flags that would help me understand that maybe my son, my daughter needs something, needs some attention, needs to talk to someone? Do you know, would you, what would you recommend to them in that position? Well, there's a couple of things that come to mind. The last interview I did just about two weeks ago was for a, a family-centered show with these types of issues. I think one of the most important things is communication. You know, so if you notice that either your child, you know, child's shut down on you and is not communicating, I think that's a sign that they're going through a lot. And if you've never established a healthy communication and relationship with a child, I think that's obviously a sign that something needs a lot of work. Because I think one of the most important things is that your child feels safe to come to you to talk about whatever they're thinking and feeling. Because if they don't feel safe with you, it's going to be hard for them to feel safe with anybody else. But often a parent is stressed or critical. And they mean well. They want to come from the best place. They want the best for their child. And they expect their child to kind of just get it and then do the right thing. But that often isn't what happened. We all go through a process of figuring things out and learning really the hard way, no matter what kind of advice comes our way, because that's just our journey as human beings. But I think that it's really important to be able to ask maybe your son or your daughter, you know, what are you feeling? What's, what's going on? And really listening and not coming from a place of criticism or judgment, where as soon as they tell you something that makes you uncomfortable, you you know, shut them down or you judge them or you tell them that they're wrong or they have to feel safe as an individual to come to you. And then with that, it's important to trust in them that, you know, they're a human being with access to so much intelligence and so many resources now online, you know, growing up with the internet, for example, people learn things so much quicker than, than they used to because they have access to information and knowledge in the click of a button that used to take Maybe you couldn't even access that in a lifetime because you didn't have access to the books or you didn't have access to education. Now it's just a click of a button if you can be online. So I think having faith in them, that they're a human being, that they are naturally intelligent, even if their intelligence shows up in a way that's different from other people, everybody's got their strengths and their intelligence. So to have faith in them that they'll figure it out. But a key is that trust between you where someone can be really honest with you. And then, you know, it's like the old cliche, you know, do as I say, not as I do, which never works. So a child's going to model your example. And that, I think that goes from birth and it's all the way into adulthood. We do model our parents, even as adults, we model our parents. And so the key is to set an example of what the things that we're talking about. So set an example. Maybe you have to be the first one as the parent to say, you know, I'm feeling really stressed right now, or, you know, I feel hurt, or I feel confused, or I want to pick up a new hobby. You know, now that you're grown as my child, I have to figure out who I am again and take some classes, or, you know, raising you made me happy, but now you're gone and I don't know what makes me happy. You know, so all these conversations are really important to have with your children. Just be honest because they're, they're human beings and they're smarter than you know. And I don't have an answer to this, but for example, some people believe in past lives. 
And there's a lot of scientific research where children come in at like two, three, four, five, and are talking about other lives, like saying things you couldn't even imagine. So you have to give your children the benefit of the doubt that they see more than you realize. They know more than you realize. They may not articulate it. And so give them the benefit of the doubt. And the ultimate relationship is to be best friends with your family, with your parents and your children. That, that is the healthiest evolution of that relationship. And so I would say, learn what it means to love yourself. Learn what it means to take really good care of your mental, emotional, and physical health and set an example and then share with them what you've learned the hard way. You might need to be the one to open up and be really honest. And then you have to realize that you just, you can't control them. You just can't control them. And it's really valuable how you share this cycle of really, and, and one of the things that the, the only way that I can always remember this, especially now as we're trying to raise our, our son and there's, there's the other one in the way, and is that constant reminder of, you know, it's monkey see, monkey does. It's not monkey here, monkey does. You can tell them all you want, but if they see you do the opposite, that's what they're going to do. And it's funny because if they see you do the right thing, that's also what they're going to do, right? Now that our son is two, two and a half, we try that whenever I go out for a run, whenever we work out, we make sure that he sees it and he knows that I'm going out. And now more often than not, he'll come over and say like, oh, are you going to exercise? I'm going to exercise. And, you know, he does kind of like, like push-ups, kind of like I do, right? <laughs> uh, but but uh, he, he, he does those things because he's seeing it. And it's not the same of me saying, well, you should go exercise when he has never seen me exercise in 10 years. And the same is true for feelings and how we treat ourselves. And if we're not the first to recognize these things and to talk about these things openly, they're not going to feel safe talking about their feelings if they've never heard their dad talk about how he feels regarding X or Y or, or you know, their mom talking about how she feels regarding one thing or another. So that's very valuable. Thank you so much for, for sharing Absolutely. that with us. It's so important. So, so important. Yeah. Now, in these years that you've been working with people, and I definitely want to ask you as well about, you know, about your, your retreats and how you work with them, we'll make sure to put a link to your book as well here because I think it's a very valuable resource. But when you're working with people, what do you think or what has been your, I don't know if there is an exact answer to this, but what has been kind of like, a, a, is there a common theme? Is there a common challenge that you see a lot of people struggle with? Because obviously not everyone went through such a life-changing experience like you did as of such a you know downward spiral thing. Many of them are just flat throughout their life, but they're not happy. They're not fulfilled. They're not enjoying. So is there a, a common theme, a common thread that you normally notice? And it's like, okay, yeah, I know what's, what's, what's happening here. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I keep coming back to the concept of self-love. And so I think the main thing is, firstly, we've never learned exactly, practically, how to love ourselves on a daily basis. So there's all these people out there that say you should love yourself, go love yourself. But a lot of people don't really know what that means or how to do it. And so that's part of the reason everybody's people coast or stay stuck. And as a result of not knowing how to take really good care of yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically in every situation, every day, 
you have developed, everybody to some degree has developed a habit of self-harm and self-betrayal. Everybody on subtle levels. It can be gross, like extreme addiction, being stuck in a relationship or a job where you're miserable, or it can be very subtle where you're keeping little things from other people or where you want to go take a class or you want to go do something, but you're not sure. So you stop yourself. You don't go explore it because you're scared or you don't want to be judged. So they can be really little things too. And so what that dynamic creates is a lot of self-doubt. And so people get stuck because they're scared or insecure and they don't trust themselves and they don't trust life that if they go try something, it might work out. Or if they tell the truth and they're totally honest and vulnerable, that things will be okay and that that's for the best. So instead, they keep it in, they stay stuck, they don't try anything new. And so that dynamic of self-betrayal, self-rejection, not knowing how to be true to yourself and love yourself on a daily basis, then leads to this self-doubt. And then people stay stuck because when you doubt yourself, you are not confident, you have low self-esteem, you feel like you're not worthy, you're not good enough, because if you don't go try, you're not good enough to try, you're not good enough to succeed. And then that's just this vicious loop. So instead, I'm just going to just keep doing what I'm doing, or I'm going to keep pleasing everybody around me, not myself, because I don't think that's going to lead anywhere good. I'll probably end up alone, or everybody will hate me, or I'll fail. So I'll just keep coasting, you know, taking care of everybody else, not taking the best care of myself. And then people just get trapped in that. And then, you know, as you know, we're habit-forming creatures. And those habits literally create the neurological pathways in our brain, which then govern the way our nervous system and immune system function and respond. And so if you've lived this way for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, those pathways are built in your brain. They're built in your nervous system and your energy system. So changing them at first feels like manual labor, which is why people avoid it. Because if you think about, imagine you have a farm and you have an irrigation channel or a river that flows to your farm to bring water. And let's say you realize that that channel or that river is polluted. If you want to build a new river or a new channel, right, you got to get everybody to grab a shovel and go start digging so you can reroute, let's say, the water coming from the top of the mountain nearby. That when the snow melts, you got fresh, clean water. But at first, you know, the first 30 days, the first six months, the first year, it feels like you're out plowing the field, you know, manual labor, trying to, because you're literally burrowing in your brain new neurological pathways. Every time you make a new choice, new habit, you're literally creating new physical pathways in your brain and in your system. So sometimes it feels easier for us when you've, if you've survived and you're on autopilot, you're like, okay, I'm okay. You know, I survived my family. I made enough money. You know, I can put food on the table, roof over my head. And then it's like, okay, you know what? I just want to coast. But if you just coast, then you're just still surviving. Absolutely. And now here's my follow-up question to that. The reason I ask that is because on every episode that we have here, and whenever I have the chance to talk to someone who has the experience that you have in, in your particular field, I always like to try to gather as many nuggets as I can. And one of the things that I always like to give our audience are actionable pieces of advice, because you're absolutely right. 
people have heard, you need to love yourself. And then they're sitting there thinking, sure, how do I start? So what would be, if we've identified, if you've identified, if they're working with thousands of people and after having your book, you know, translated, you were telling me to eight different languages and, you know, several tens of thousands of people who have read it and you realize that your message or the commonalities that people aren't really true to themselves, what would be your top two or three pieces of actionable advice that whomever is listening to us right now can start applying? Well, firstly, now, right now in your life, ask yourself, you know, what am I feeling? What do I need? And what do I want? So you start to develop this awareness. What do I feel in this situation right now? What do I need and want in this situation right now? Okay. And then you got to start opening up. Like we've been talking about the whole conversation is being open and honest and kind with every person and in every situation. So I feel hurt. I love you. It, it doesn't have to be negative. It can be, you can hold back good things because you're afraid of people's responses too. So if you're attracted to someone, tell them you're attracted to them. If you love someone and you appreciate what they do for you, tell them. If you feel hurt by something that was said, tell them, stop keeping it in. If you're not happy in your job or your marriage, start talking about it, work it through, find a solution that's best for everybody. Where So everybody's living the truth instead of living a lie. And part of that is doing it honestly and kindly. So we've all grown up with very poor examples of communication. So Dr. E, for example, if you say something that hurts me, if I don't have communication skills, I might say F you or leave me alone or you're such a this. I might call you names. I might push you away. But that's really code for me feeling I feel hurt and angry. But I don't know how to say I feel hurt and angry. So instead, I swear at you. I call you names. I push you away. So stop doing that everybody who's listening, and start saying, I feel, I need, I want. That's called nonviolent communication where you own what you're feeling. And what that does is it brings down people's walls. Because whenever you say you, and you point the finger and you blame and you call people names and you swear at them, their walls come up and it just becomes fight, 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 fight. And the ego kicks in and it's I'm right, you're wrong. And we're going to defend our sense of self and our pride to the death. But when you start saying, I feel hurt, I need this. And if someone really loves you, they're going to start to hear you, which is different than when you blame, because they're not going to hear you if you keep blaming. So that's number one. Number two is during this time, especially during this time, but always, you got to have some time and space for yourself. If, especially if you're in a young family, like your situation, if you've been married for 20 years, if you're young and you know in your early 20s and you're dating or whatever it is, you need time for yourself. You need time to go out for a walk and be with your own thoughts, be with your own feelings, move at your natural pace, not be pleasing someone all the time, but really just being with yourself. And then in that time, besides just listening to your inner world and what you need, do some things that fill your cup. You know, if it's walking, if it's listening to music, if it's doing yoga, if it's doing some art, if it's taking a bath, things that nourish you physically and spiritually by yourself. It's important. At least a half hour a day, at least just by yourself so you can think straight and not be you know, distracted by every other sound and voice because the world is loud. 
you know, and being around people all the time is loud. So sometimes it's hard to hear yourself and then hear what you need. You know, we all need different kinds of medicine at different times. So you need to listen to what kind of medicine and nourishment you need on a daily basis. So that's two. And then three is you got to really take care of your mind. So I recommend doing at least 10 minutes of meditation in the morning. And I teach a very simple form of meditation. There's so many different kinds of meditation, but I recommend just sitting with yourself and feeling your body and observing your breath. And when you start to think, when the voices in your head are active, you can say the word thinking just in your mind, one word, thinking, as an objective cue that you're thinking, and then bring your attention back to your breathing and your body. And you just keep doing that. And that's what the Buddha taught 2,500 years ago. I'm not Buddhist, but as far as techniques are concerned, it's, in my experience, the most effective form of meditation is just to focus on your body and your breathing. And when you, you notice that you're just thinking a lot or talking to yourself, you come back to your body and your breathing. And so I would do that every morning for 10 minutes because the thoughts you think in the morning create your day. So if you wake up anxious with a million thoughts, running, stressed, that's the energy you're putting out. And that's your day is going to unfold that way. But if you can start your day with 10 minutes of meditation and stop the thoughts from governing everything you do and let them come, but you don't follow them, then when you get up in 10 minutes, you're going to be a lot more centered, a lot more clear, not all over the place, not scattered. And then I recommend this, these are keys for everybody who's listening. I recommend after that 10 minutes, you do something else. You do three things very quickly. You think of just a couple things you're genuinely grateful for, so you don't have to make a whole list. Even one is enough. I'm so grateful to be alive, or I'm so grateful for my wife, or I'm so grateful for my children, or I'm so grateful for my bed. So at least one to three things that you're really grateful for, genuinely in your heart, not just intellectually, but you really feel, okay? Two, think of one to three things that you want, like, I want to have a good day, or I want to succeed at this today, or I want to make it to the gym for an hour. Just something you want. It could be anything, little or big. So instead of focusing on negative things, you're already activating your mind to think of something you want, something you know that is desirable, that's positive for you. Okay. So something you're grateful for, something you want. And then lastly, say a prayer for the people you love. Like I wish my parents health and happiness. I wish my sister, my brother health and happiness. I wish my children health and happiness. Because what that does is it opens your heart and it expands the energy inside of you. So you're not just focused on yourself. You're focused on the people you care about and you're sending out good vibes, good energy. And then the day will bring you back more blessings when you do that. And that only takes 12 minutes that meditation and then thinking those thoughts. It's only even 11 minutes. And, and if, you, if you can't take 11 minutes or 12 minutes to change your entire day, then you're just making excuses and you're going to stay stuck. And then we basically get what we deserve until we learn the lesson. So stop making excuses, take 12 minutes and shift everything. Amazing. Couldn't agree more. I've spoken, I've spoken repeatedly here on the show about the importance of, of meditation and mindfulness, how it's changed my life and how it has, it really has the potential to change everyone else's because you're absolutely right. The world is not only loud, but we're also no longer used to being with ourselves. 
we don't have time to just be alone. And you might be thinking, no, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm alone all the time. Like, no, you're not. Because if, if the moment you wake up, you grab your phone and you start checking Facebook and Instagram and whatnot, and then you put on a podcast and then you're listening to this and then you're doing the other thing, what's happening is that you're constantly getting input, 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 and you are never taking the time to just sit down and process and digest that and make use of it. And so you're literally just hearing stuff. You're getting bombarded left and right, and you don't have time to listen to your feelings, to feel your feelings. So I think those are great recommendations. And before we wrap things up, I do want to ask you about your upcoming virtual retreat, because I know that uh, given the circumstances, you're going virtual for the first time in a couple of weeks, if I'm not mistaken. But before we do that, I do want to acknowledge you for, for the work that you do. I think as we said at the beginning of this conversation, I think that this year has been a catalyst for so many things and people will remember it for the COVID year. But I think that COVID has just been the one little thing that pushed us over the edge and that has forced all this change and all this unrest and all these things that are currently happening socially mostly. And I think it's opening the door to a transformation but I'm grateful and I and this is what I want to acknowledge you for the work that you do, not just you, but other people like yourself and, and, and being able to put yourself out there and being vulnerable and coming over here and, and sharing these things and, and, and openly talking about something that especially somebody like me, a Western trained medical doctor will probably find as woo woo. And, and you're still saying, no, 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 I, you know, this is something that we want to talk about. And I do want to recognize you and acknowledge you for the work that you're doing there. Oh, thank you, Dr. E. I appreciate it. And I'm grateful for an opportunity to chat with you like this. Ironically, my retreats that I teach in person, I get a lot of doctors, psychiatrists, and nurses because eventually they realize they need something for themselves too. They never learned how to love themselves. They never learned how to take care of themselves. And I think when you get to a certain age and you are a professional and you're always growing, you start to realize that your thoughts and your emotions have a lot more to do with your health than you learned in medical school or that you ever realized. And it's just been overlooked, you know? That's why we have so much uh, burnout. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much. No, no. I mean, thank you for taking the time. Now, before we say goodbye, why don't you share with us a little bit about, about your retreats in general and about the one that you've got coming up? Okay. Thank you so much. Well, I normally teach my retreats in person and I, and throughout the year, I'm normally in this, the United States. I'm normally in, in London every year and sometimes Australia every year. For the first time ever, 2020, we have had to cancel all in-person retreats. And I, I teach between six and 12 events a year in person. So it's been a very crazy change even for me as well. So I was very averse to going online because I prefer healthy human interaction and I, I prefer to facilitate healthy human in-person interaction. But at the end of August, August 20th, I'm teaching my first ever weekend online retreat. It's going to be limited to 50 people because that's a lot of people still to navigate and, and hold space for on a computer for three days, for two and a half days. But all that information can be found on my website, which is unconditional selflove.com. Or you can find, if you just Google Blake Bauer, B A U E R, I'll be the top hit. And I teach that in association with Shambhala, which is the largest Buddhist organization in the United States. And they have a beautiful 600-acre retreat center in the mountains of Colorado, 
where I normally teach these and I prefer to teach these, but instead we're going to do it on zoom and you're more than welcome to call, you know, anybody's welcome to, to book in if they can get a spot, if you need some support during this time, that's why I pushed myself over the edge to do it. Cause I know there's a, a large need. Yeah. Well, and, and, and let's see if you're going to have a similar experience. I've so far these months, uh, a lot of people that I've been to retreats or seminars with, they've been forced to start doing them virtually and they've actually enjoyed the experience as well. Many of them are like, oh my God, it's great that I, that I pushed myself because now I can reach more people in different countries and different time zones and, and in different places. So hopefully that'll be the experience. And for you guys listening, Remember that if you're interested in that, all you need to do is just scroll down to this episode's description, your podcast app, or if you're watching in YouTube, same thing. And the link is right there. So you just need to tap it. Don't need to remember it. Just need to tap it. As, as Blake said, it's only 50 spots. So do check it out as soon as you're listening to this. If not, I'm sure that they can join kind of like a wait list or a notification list for, for upcoming events, right? Absolutely. Yeah. We're in talks about planning one or two more this year because um, 50 is not a lot of people for our databases. So gotcha. Gotcha. Perfect. Well, Blake, thank you so much. Is there anywhere else where people can find out about you and, you know, other than book, obviously, which we will also link down here, uh, where can people follow you? Are you on social media, Instagram or something? Thank you. Yes. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. So if, if you want to come say hi, please do. There you go. There you go. Well, thank you once again, so much for joining us. One final question. Did you have a good time here in the Highwood Health Show? I did. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. E. Yeah, it was absolutely lovely, lovely to meet you. And it's nice. It's always nice meeting people whose hearts, you know, and intentions are in the right place. And so I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the conversation. For you guys listening to us, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. This has been a phenomenal episode. You know the drill. Description is down below. You're going to find the links to everything. We'll see you here next Wednesday. I hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening to Dr. E's Highway to Health show, helping you learn the science of living ageless. Did you enjoy the show? Please like, share, and subscribe where you listen to podcasts. Dr. E wants to hear from you. Go to dre.show. Again, that's dre.show. Until next time, this is Dr. E's Highway to Health, helping you live ageless. And that was my conversation with Blake Bauer. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. And more importantly, you found it valuable and are ready to start loving yourself more. As usual, I'd love to know what was your favorite takeaway. Tag me on Instagram or connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think. By the way, remember that you can find the links to everything we discussed in this episode in the show notes. Just scroll down to this episode's description on your podcast app and tap on the appropriate link. Speaking of links, remember to check out podcastinbox.co for all your podcasting needs. If you're a busy entrepreneur looking to grow a personal brand and instill trust in your clients, there is no better way to do it than with a podcast. To learn how the team at Podcast in Box can help you do just that, simply head on over to podcastinbox.co and find out more. Oh, and if you already have a podcast but find it hard and time-consuming to keep up, they can help with that as well. Seriously, and well, I might be a little bit biased here, but they're amazing. Just head on over to podcastbox.co and let them know that Dr. E sent you. But that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You've been listening to Blake Bauer and Dr. E talk about self-love, kindness, and an end to personal suffering. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you here next week. And remember, you are on the highway to health, and I'm your guide to get you there.